My name is Panos. My name is Sebastian. Welcome to Curiosity. So today we're going to talk about allergies. Yes. Uh, because I am, you know, I have a girlfriend that has two cats. I have to live with these two cats and I have cat allergies. I've got pollen allergies. And they really just suck. <laughs> uh, but I actually have no idea how they work. Yeah, I I had understood a bit of the biology, but I, there's so many questions. You know, why why do they just appear? Why do they disappear? And how do we have gluten allergies and what gluten is? I know there's a really funny video uh, online about you know people not actually knowing what gluten is. So we're going to talk yeah. a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I saw that. Uh, but also it affects a lot of people in yeah. uh, in the world, which also surprised me because I know I've I've heard a lot of people having hay fever, uh, which is uh, basically an allergy to pollen as well as just basically yeah that includes, includes me so uh yeah a little a few stats little numbers um 7.8 percent of people uh in the u.s have have hay fever hmm. so you know let's say eight out of a hundred people um we're talking food allergies it goes about eight percent as well so it's kind of consistent uh if we go to skin allergies uh, this was actually really interesting. It's it's a kind of a random statistic, but apparently, uh, in 2010 they did a little study, and black children were more likely to have skin allergies, so 17 percent, rather than white, so 12 percent, Asian, 10 percent. Could have to, something to do with the melanin in their skin, maybe. I have no idea. I, I it, you know, I guess you could guess or hypothesize about it, but uh, it may be some kind of genetic racial difference. So there's there's obviously some kind of genetic issue to it and then they're more prone to specifically uh, skin so an allergy in general terms is a hypersensitive immune response to a substance that either enters or comes in contact with the body that your immune system reacts to as if it were a pathogen basically your body gets some of this allergen in its system mm-hmm. doesn't like it and attacks it so okay so it's, it's confused really it's because it's not actually a pathogen it's not it's not dangerous to the body, but yet it's fooled by it. Well, it, it just doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and this is from what I understand, the body, if it doesn't know something, it attacks it because it doesn't think it's actually helpful for living. Right. Yeah. So this is, this essentially comes down to the basics of immunology, <laughs> which I'm going <laughs> to summarize in two minutes. <laughs> um, essentially, you have an immune system um, and this immune system is your defense against everything around you mm-hmm. uh evolutionarily uh you're talking about so many different species where you know i'm talking about parasites and bacteria and whatnot and if these infiltrate you uh they can cause infections and you know you know and so you need some kind of system to fight off and ward off all these infections and so the immune system uh, what it does is that it has it's almost like an army with with different parts and different units mm-hmm. and so you've got uh, you've got scouts and what they'll do is that they'll be constantly on the lookout in your body and they'll randomly uh, check whether a cell is foreign or uh, whether it's domestic mm-hmm. and and if it's if it knows that it's part of the body it does nothing but all of a sudden if it recognizes a specific peptide, or it's, it's actually called a, an, an antigen, that's the special word they use, mm-hmm. uh, if it binds to it and says, oh, wait a minute, I don't know this, this is foreign, it releases uh, a, a chemical. It's called a, an immuno, immunoglobulin E. And so it's a, it's a signaling molecule. And just to give a little bit more, um, a little bit more context, immunoglobulin... That's okay, go for it. Immunoglobulins. Yes. Uh, there are different types for different responses. So right. immunoglobulin IgE... 
is uh, is one of the one that's specific for allergies. Right. Um, but there's a wide variety of different ones that yeah. uh, have different functions. Yeah. So it's it's essentially a signaling molecule, and what that does, it asks for backup. Mm-hmm. It says, "Hey guys, white blood cells around. I need help, and I need to destroy what I've what I've just encountered." Uh, and so it does that, and then it, it brings in uh, these other types of immune cells called mast cells, and they, and this is probably where most people are more familiar with the terms, release histamine. Ah, uh, okay. Right? And so histamine, uh, if you've ever had allergies, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, is um, when you buy antihistamines. And so this this molecule is actually used for, as a vasodilator, uh, it helps bring all the white blood cells to the localized uh, area. Uh, but as a result, you get this kind of redness or itchiness. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's unfortunately a, a fake call um, because it was fooled. Uh, so that's what the antihistamines do. So when you take them, uh, they actually block that signal. They say, no, 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 no. They've blocked all the molecules. There's nothing here. And, and, you know, you end up with uh, with no response. So you're kind of tricking the body into saying, actually, there's nothing wrong here at all. Yeah, you're you're essentially cutting off the alert system. You're saying, no, you know, you're, you're cutting off the signal. Oh, okay, so it could be kind of scary if you're taking an antihistamine and actually uh, allergic to something. So there are a bunch of common allergies um, that would be used for an antihistamine uh, to make sure that you don't have an allergic reaction. And really, the, the symptoms of... Uh, of an influx of histamine is, are kind of, I, I don't want to call them flu-like symptom, symptoms, but runny nose, itchy eyes, mm. sneezing a whole bunch. Uh, so the most common ones are pollen, dust mites, mold, animal dander, uh, insect stings, latex, drugs, and food. Um, mm. So food is actually a really interesting one. Yeah, food's, food's on the rise. But, I mean, before we get into food, I wanted to talk about uh, what apparently is a remedy for... Um, for alleviating allergies or trying to convince the immune system that the everyday allergy is not as dangerous as it appears to be. Okay. And it's pretty far out there. It's kind of crazy. It's called the helminthic therapy. And essentially what it does is you actually uh, get exposed to a worm. It's like a tapeworm, like a parasitic worm. Okay. And this worm, uh, they allow it to, you know, infiltrate your body. And apparently what it does is that the worm will actually naturally release this molecule. It's the, once you have an immune response, after everything is said and done, it sends out a different type of white blood cells that says, you know what, guys, everything's done. Time to pack up, go home, let's finish off. Okay. That's what the, um, the worm releases. And so it sends out this signal saying, you know what, don't worry about it. Huh. Uh, and so through, you know, I don't know how long the exposure is there, but essentially the tapeworm is 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 uh, negating the all the signals that would naturally be responding from um, from the mast cells and all the other cells I was talking to you about. Huh. So it's it's basically a natural and but kind of disgusting. It's like a natural anti- immunosuppressant in a oh. way, but it's it's very specific for immunoglobulin E. Okay. Okay. So it's not. You know, we're we're talking very specifically here, so it's not going to suppress your other, uh, your other immune responses. Just just the allergies, hopefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the last most common uh, common allergen is food. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of really interesting things about uh, food as an allergen. First off, you have peanuts, you have shellfish. Those are ones that more often than not you have them for life. Yeah. 
Uh, but there are, as children, um, children get allergies to eggs, milk, uh, sometimes wheat. And what's interesting is before the age of six, 25% of these children will actually grow out of it. Mm. And before they are, before they become teens, 85 will actually grow out of most egg and yeah, milk allergy right. allergies. Which yeah, is because how many of us really still have those allergies as adults, right? I mean, there's... You know, a milk, but that's that's intolerance, and we'll we'll get to that a bit later. But that's it's not an allergy, yeah. Yeah, and and there's actually we couldn't find good data or good way of, of um, differentiating two different types of uh, food allergies. Yeah, um, yeah. But we we kind of differentiate them between like the annoying ones and the severe ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this becomes an important distinction when you're talking about um, repeated exposure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you're talking about re- repeated exposure for the annoying ones, so um, for Pollen, pollen, whatnot. Uh, repeated exposure can actually allow you to stop having the allergy. Right, and that—I um, mean—that could make sense on a on a scientific term based on what we were saying before. Maybe at one point the immune system says, "Wait a minute, we've encountered them before. Maybe we're learning. Uh, at this point, we'll adapt, uh, and we'll no longer create an immune response." And this is uh, this can be the case with uh, people living in houses with cats. Okay. Uh, so it was really interesting to me because I've always heard the term cat dander. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually understand what that meant. Right. Uh, so it's actually a protein uh, that emanates from the from a gland of the cat. Okay. And the protein is is on the dander, is on the the hair. It attaches itself to dry skin cells. Okay. Uh, so the so dry it's not skin. Not really the hair itself. Exactly. It's yeah. the protein. Okay. Um, so it is possible over time for you to not be affected as much by the allergen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also another type of therapy um, that you, if you want to stop having an allergy, mm-hmm. um, you can be subjectively and scientifically um, over time given the allergen on a one on a weekly or monthly basis mm-hmm. so that your body starts to adapt to it and starts to re- you know react to it as if it is no longer foreign to the body. Sure. Uh, which is a really interesting way to to address this issue it's kind of like let me let me intentionally give you an allergen Mm -hmm. uh so yeah so that those um those therapies only really work for the annoying allergies as as we've uh, termed them Mm -hmm. but for the severe allergies it's not actually the case yeah it's really interesting because there's something called biphasic allergies uh, and i've actually never really heard of this uh, before we did our podcast but apparently for certain allergens um you can have a response, you know, something quite severe. Mm. Um, and later on, a few days later, uh, you can acquire a new response, a new al- allergic uh, reaction that's even worse than the first without exposure to the allergen. Hmm. Yeah, so it, it's some kind of, I don't know, some kind of overdrive uh, in the initial reaction. Thankfully, I've never, I've never seen it or had one, but... Yeah, and it's it's really interesting because uh, you can see it in bee stings. Like if you are unaware, if you're allergic to bees, mm-hmm. it's like the first time might not be that bad. You're like, maybe it's not an allergic reaction. But the second one, just because even if your body can recognize that it is an allergen, you know, yeah. you're going to have a, a terrible allergic I've reaction. I've actually never been stung by a bee. That's not good. Yeah. I don't know whether that means I might die or I'm just a very lucky individual. I don't know. Uh, six and one half dozen of the other. You're yeah. still here to do the podcast. Exactly. So I'm happy. Uh, and so we're talking about uh, intolerance versus allergy. So food sensitivity in general is a result of a toxic response to food. Okay. Um, so it, it's 
an allergy is actually an immuno response, so the immune system response. Okay. Whereas a food sensitivity is not. Yeah, it's, it's uh it it's doesn't involve the immune system at all. At all, okay, yeah. It's it's a lack of the enzyme as I understand it. Exactly. And right. this is how we differentiate uh people that are gluten like have a gluten allergy and a gluten intolerance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and uh, I mean a very very simple example of this that everyone's kind of familiar with is lactose intolerance. Mm-hmm. So lactose uh, is a protein that it's not an allergy, it's a, it's an intolerance and it's because these people do not produce a protein called lactase. Uh, it's an enzyme, and uh, all it does is, is it breaks down it breaks down lactose when it's, it enters your body. So if you don't have it, you get this kind of bloating and and, and whatnot. So the equivalent to um, a gluten allergy mm-hmm. is celiac disease. Okay. Uh, and celiac disease, what it is, is it doesn't allow the lower intestine to absorb any of the nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, if you have consumed any gluten. You're not actually able to absorb any of the nutrients further down in the digestive tract. So it's really a serious issue mm-hmm. uh, because if you can't get your vitamins, right. you're not going to do well. Yeah. And if you want to know what vitamins are, you should check out our other podcast. Well, not our other podcast, our other episode. Sorry. Uh, so gluten in general is a mixture of proteins found in wheat and related grains. Uh, and basically it gives the elasticity to dough and helping it to keep its shape and, and to rise so it's basically giving the stickiness and the, the like all the the qualities that you think of as of a loaf of bread that is due to the protein of gluten yeah it's actually it's it's uh, in the word itself so it's gluten comes from a, a latin word for glue <laughs> so it's all the adhesive properties that like you said hold the bread together and uh you don't need you need a very very little amount of gluten to consider something being gluten-free yeah you got to think of uh, one piece of bread cut into 7,200 pieces, and that's what? How many? So, yeah, so the, the, I read the, 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 the stat, and it was something like if you were to cut a piece of bread in about uh, 7,100 pieces, each one of those little pieces would contain 20 parts per million, and that's, that's the total amount uh, allowed for a, s- a person suffering s- from, uh, from celiac disease to consume a day. Oh. So that's the total amount they'd be allowed to consume, one seventy-two hundredth of a piece of bread. It's so tiny. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's crumbs. It's infinitesimally small, but that's how dangerous it can be. Yeah. And like I said, that's why it's a, it's a really serious thing when people say that they have a gluten allergy mm-hmm. as opposed to a gluten intolerance because allergies can kill. Mm-hmm. Allergies can really... Um, yeah, and in the case of, you know, anaphylactic type of allergies. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's one of the, the differences... Uh, between just the annoying ones that we had kind of said and, and the more severe ones is that you have um, an anaphylactic shock to to an encounter with, you know, like we we're saying, bee stings, peanuts is a really high one, uh, seafood. Uh, and what happens is your, your airways actually constrict. So at this point, you're not breathing anymore. So what do you do in a case of an anaphylactic, anaphylactic shock? Well... Uh, I believe you have the convenient, uh, what is it, the EpiPen. The EpiPen. Yeah. So, so it's uh, blue to the sky, orange in the thigh. <laughs> have you heard that expression no, at all? No, I've never heard that expression. So if you ever look at any of the new EpiPens, okay. um, there are, there's a color on one end and a color on the other. Okay. And the idea is to allow you to remember which end you need to put into your leg. That's amazing, as opposed to someone stabbing their thumb. <laughs> well, you know what? With the older um, yeah, EpiPens, it was confusing. It was, yeah. it was confusing because someone, it was... Yeah. 
you know, it wasn't as... Uh, I shouldn't laugh, but that's kind of funny. It is kind of funny. <laughs> it would be funny. You're trying to help someone, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, you get uh, a, a, just a dose of epinephrine. Yeah. Um, so epinephrine is a synthetic form of adrenaline. Okay. So how and does that... Yeah, so how does that help with the shock or with the, uh, the allergy itself? Well, epinephrine increases the heart rate, increases the respiratory rate, and basically um, opens up all of the... The airways, the airways, and everything, just to make sure that you are okay. Okay, so it's only um, a temporary fix, then. Exactly. So, okay. um, epipens they only last for about twenty to thirty minutes, from what I understand. Okay. Uh, so it's really important that you do, if you do use an epipen, mm-hmm. that you call nine one one right away. Right. Um, because it's basically a stopgap measure to make sure that the person stays alive and doesn't choke on everything. Uh, once they actually get to the ER, they will hit them with a high dose of an antihistamine, uh, basically making sure that the rest of the body knows, uh, no, you know, this, this antigen, not important. We're good. Everything's all right. Uh, but yeah, EpiPens 20 to 30 minutes is, is a safe zone to be in. Um, if you need to give a second dose of epinephrine, you have to give a second dose. Mm -hmm. Um, so often it's important if you are in a remote location to have a couple on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you can't breathe, you're not going to live very long. Right. Right. So it's um, what we also wanted to talk about is is why allergies have been increasing. Yeah, they're on the rise. Um, it's actually extremely difficult to find consistent data um, that's that's kind of doing you know a pre and post. I don't know twenty or thirty years ago. And and between different nations, uh, that's also extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S. has some has some decent uh, statistics. Uh, the one, the primary one, which I think I found easily only because everyone notices it, is the rise of of, of peanut allergies. Mm. And I think a lot of allergies, food allergies, are definitely on the rise. Yeah, I, I don't know about uh, hay fever or whatnot exactly, but for food allergies, definitely. So apparently, uh, the stat is in 1997. There was only 0.4 percent of uh, of children that had an um, you know a peanut allergy. Yeah, and they did it uh, about 11 years later in uh, 2008, and it went up to 1.4. So it's a three fourfold uh, That's increase. That's huge. That is huge. That's extremely quick too. It's only 11 years, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely some kind of increase going on there. And some people will attack GMOs and talk about how, you know, we're genetically modifying the food. So it's, I'm sorry, it's yeah. a bunch of bull. Yeah, it's unfortunately not very accurate. And and, and the, the problem with that is that there's just no data supporting it. I think it's, uh, GMOs have this, you know, this negative aura around them. Um, and, and there's a lot of negative connotations associated with them. So they're kind of like the go-to explanation to why everything and everything is evil. Uh, but the, the the scientific data isn't there, and whether it may arise in the future, maybe I don't know. It's uh, but it's just not there. Yeah, and I think it's important to note here that allergies are uh, they're thought to be from genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are going to be predisposed to a allergen, it is a genetic thing, but it also has to do with epigenetics as well. So your environment. Right. So yeah. So epigenetics is the study of how the environment will influence DNA or the genetic code uh, and as a result you know through through mating and whatnot you'll you'll have an actual shift or, or mutation in your your dna and does this also have to do with um like i know in, in pregnancy how women have to be less stressed when mm-hmm. they're they're um well that's i mean i'm i'm not too familiar with uh, all the recommendations they have for for women during their pregnancy but they do definitely 
tell them avoid certain foods. Um, Exercise pe- regularly. Yeah, I, know, I think peanuts was on was on that list. Mm. Yeah, to kind of prevent, uh, you know, potential increases. So we're going to use this part of the show to give you maybe a couple ideas of what could possibly be the reason for the rise of allergies. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually couldn't find very much on this topic, um, no. but the explanation isn't really laid out simple in in at all. Yeah. Uh, the first idea I had, and I I don't. Um, I don't really think it's it's a full contributing factor, but it could be a little one, is uh, the genetic diversity that we have had since the age of ag- agriculture. Okay. So have humans, um, has the genetic code of humans changed over time? Okay. Uh, genetic changes take a really long time to yeah, do. And, and we're talking agricultural changes in the past, you know, 100 years. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, sure, there's a great deal of change in the past 50 years. But uh, that kind of change is, is so. A, yeah. In in my opinion, genetics really not the reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, there could be a change in the food that we're eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that you know there are a lot of foods that we are processing now. So taking maybe a lot of the, uh, taking a lot of the, complementary, vitamins and minerals, mm-hmm. that would allow us to not have allergies as much. That's a possibility. Again. Not a great. Uh, yeah. So maybe maybe a shift in in what we're consuming so quickly isn't allowing the immune system to, uh, you know, to to develop that archive of everything it notices and everything it it, it recognizes. It's too quick. Uh, but I think the best one is the hygiene hypothesis. Yeah. So the hygiene hypothesis is essentially this kind of all explanatory uh, hypothesis for this issue. Um, it essentially states that. Uh, things that are too clean, uh, much like you know, in the developing countries now, uh, you have uh, antibio- uh, antibiotics, antiseptics. Uh, you know, you have you you, wa- you wash your hands ten times a day or thirty times a day. Uh, everything is is extremely sterile to mm. one to what it, you you know once was, and as a result, your immune system isn't exposed to this constant bombardment of. It's not practicing. No, not at right? all. So if you if you were to raise a child in this bubble, uh, and then to expose him uh, to the real world, uh, you would probably statistically have a you know a higher inclination of having allergies. Uh, so that I mean the hypo- the hygiene hypothesis attempts to to kind of explain that. And there was a study uh, which was really interesting actually in the 1990s, uh, done in East and West Germany. Um, and so this is in the 1990s. This is when they unified the West and, and the East. Uh, but before that, there were they, they, the reason they took it is because there was, it was a perfect example of you know the same cultural background. So in terms of the people and their and their habits and probably eating similar foods I'm because it's not like foods, they're yeah. in different uh, different areas really. Exactly. And uh, but the conditions of living in terms of pollution and whatnot were quite different. Um, and so. Uh, when when the wall went down and the unification happened, East Germany became more like West Germany. And what they started noticing was that the, the percentage of children that had hay fever um, compared in East Germany compared to what it once was, was increasing. And is this, uh, do we know if East Germany or West Germany was cleaner or? Yeah, so West Germany was, was cleaner. And so based on the hygiene hypothesis, we're kind of saying that you know, before even before the wall went down, these kids weren't being bombarded enough with with all these, you know, the various pathogens and whatnot. So they were more susceptible, and so this is what happened to East Germany, where all mm. of a sudden 
you know, the East Germans, the, the, the children were, were on a regular basis exposed to this. They were yeah. outside to the pollution and whatnot. And, uh, and they built, an, you know, they built a, a proper immune response. And as soon as that went down and the conditions changed, well, the, the kids started having increasing uh, hay fever and whatnot. And this makes sense, you know, from the very beginning of the show, we're talking about an allergy is a hypersensitive immune reaction. Mm-hmm. So if you have uh, an immune system that has not been subjected to a lot of things, you're going to have a reaction because your body has not yet been able to identify uh, what it's coming into contact with mm-hmm. uh, at an early age. I know that a lot of for the formative years is when you uh, your immune system develops. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the moral the, of the, the story... The critical years are the early ones, from 0 to like 12 or 18. Moral of the story, Just Sebastian? Run, run, you know, jump in a puddle of mud. Eat dirt. Eat dirt, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, counteractive... Uh, count- counterintuitive. Thank you, counterintuitive. Yeah. Uh, to, to a lot of the philosophies that are now going on with uh, raising my kid. Uh, well, you know, kids. it kind of goes back to, you know, when I was a boy, we didn't have all this. We were playing outside, and you didn't have many of the problems that I suppose the children have now. I mean, I don't want to make that global assumption, but the thought is there anyway. I blame technology. Yeah, technology is always at fault. It's video games is problem. It's um, video games. Yeah, and... Um, yeah, and before we, we finish off, I, th- I thought uh, I'd share some interesting uh, uh, side therapies uh, to, oh, to, no. to getting rid of, um, of, of allergies. So one of them is currently available, and I had never heard of it, but apparently you have. Uh, it's called Neti Pot. So basically, I, I've seen my family use this, and this is actually, you're going to laugh, this is something that they kind of do in Greece without a ridiculous, uh, ridiculous things apparatus apparatus yeah um one thing that my dad always uh advocated for is going into the ocean and just like basically inhaling a whole bunch of salt water oh my god blowing out your nose is actually pretty much what a neti pot is yeah it's this it's this nasal fountain and so it it's really hilarious you're you're it's kind of like a nasal spray but the pouch is much larger and you squeeze it until it goes through one nasal passage to the other nostril and it's kind of what it's trying to do is it's cleansing and cleaning out uh, your nasal uh, cavity or your nasal pathways uh, by removing the potential molecules that you know you've inhaled and hay fever and whatnot. To give you a, a little bit more of a visual or more of a, a yeah more of a visual, imagine taking a Powerade bottle full of salt water. Yeah, there you go. And squirting it up a nostril and just blowing it out the other one. I uh, I have not tried it. <laughs> Uh, but I would imagine, like, gargling next, salt sucks. Next season, next season when hay fever kicks in. Uh. And uh, and one other one that I thought I had to share because I found it uh, in, in more historical records. Uh, allergies have been around for a while. So, I imagine so. Yeah, so uh, they they had more of a an alternative method of getting rid of it. And it says, and I quote, uh, When the patient suffers from cough, he should drink a mixture of lolium and rose powder dissolved in oil and honey. That sounds sound tubed, you know. Sounds totally reasonable to me. This is where it gets interesting. Afterwards, he should eat a broth of pork meat. When he has to defecate, a fire should be lighted where he should direct his anus. Then he will be cured. So I have a couple questions here. Yeah, well, you don't ask me, but yeah. Well, no, can uh, you know? Does the oil go on fire? Uh, that's I'm, I'm just thinking about lighting fights, farts on fire. Oh, uh, which is. <laughs> so, uh, that pretty much ends the show. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, so, we were talking about allergies and uh, what they are. Well, you know, the, the immune response versus intolerance. A little bit on gluten and knowing what uh, what gluten is. Yeah. And uh, finally, maybe a couple couple fun tidbits of, uh, of, 
<laughs> how to get rid of allergies and uh, why they are around. Don't try it. Just enjoy it. <laughs> so we want to give a big thank you to CHUO for help us, helping us out, letting us uh, use their studio. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you can talk to us. Yes. Uh, on the onlines. On the, on the Twitter. On the Twitter. So we have a Twitter handle mm-hmm. at curiosity underscore pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those that don't have Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, curiosity dot pod at gmail dot com. Yeah, you're, I'm going to I'm going to post that neti pod because I think you have to see a picture of what it looks like. The neti pod. Yeah, it looks kind of bizarre. Yeah. Uh, you are likely downloading us on iTunes. I certainly hope so. And subscribe. Subscribe. Sub- subscribe. Leave comments, give us ratings. This is the way that you know yeah, people will get to know our things. Upvote us, give us a thumb. I don't know what's the current trend now. I think it's a thumbs up. I think it's a thumb. Give us two thumbs, damn it. Well, give us as many thumbs as you can because you know we want more people to to listen to our podcast. Yeah. Uh, but for those faithful listeners, thanks for continuing to listen. Tell your friends, and we'll see you next time. See ya.